2: What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City, and lots going on. I took Sunday off, so I'm here with you on Monday because of all this breaking news in Waukesha, Wisconsin, where they ran a bunch of little kids over, as well as adults, and we're going to get to that in the second segment because it's still developing, and I want to have all the most current info, but they did catch the guy. And it makes me think, you know, just like we saw with Kyle Rittenhouse and and all of this uh, smear that's going on, this seems to be everything. Everything seems to me like a battle between good and evil. And it's a damn shame. And that's what we're talking about today. It's media, the mayhem that happened, and of course, the mentality of our president. We're going to get to that in the third segment. Now, on a brief bit of levity. I love the Babylon Bee. They're a, a satirical newspaper uh, from, from the Catholic Church, and they always have the best headlines. One I saw over the weekend said, mail-in jury votes were found at 3 a.m. Kyle Rittenhouse is now found guilty. And of course, that's a play on the 2020 election where you know you're winning before you go to sleep, you wake up and it's, oh, snap, something changed. But the confirmation bias in our media is truly compromising our Constitution's intent for a free press. Now you're thinking, well, the press is free. If they want to do what, what they do and say what they say and lie the way they lie, that's their freedom of speech. And it is, as opinion people, you could say whatever you want, honestly. But for the Constitution to work, for our free press to be free and do the job it was designed to do by way of the Constitution to inform the public and be the watchdog of the media, there has to be virtue. We have to do things the right way. Sadly, that's not where we're at. I mean, it's almost like the devil's at play. Tell me that doesn't sound like what we're watching today with the Rittenhouse trial, where they turned the entire thing from self-defense into a racial nightmare. I haven't seen so much race hustling since Barack Obama was in office. Now, Monday night, Rittenhouse is going to speak out for the first time. I've got a sneak peek of that, so I'm going to play it for you. Listen to this. This case has nothing to do with race. Um, it never had anything to do with race. It had to do with the right to self-defense. Right. Um, I'm not a racist person. I support the BLM movement. I support peacefully demonstrating. And I believe there needs to be change. I believe there's a lot of prosecutorial misconduct, not just in my case, but in other cases. And it's just amazing to see how, how much a prosecutor can take advantage of somebody It is amazing to see how prosecutors do what they do. In other words, how the government, when the government's controlling something, it's amazing to what depths they'll go to to ruin things. Almost as if they were the devil. (laughs) And I don't mean to get all preachy. That was Paul Harvey. And it was brilliant. And I think Rittenhouse is hitting it right on the head here. This had nothing to do with race. It had everything to do with self-defense. But that's where we are. And that doesn't stop them. That's why on MSNBC, you've got the host, I forget her name, I think it's Tiffany Cross, who's there with, um, I forget the guy's name, with the big, big white afro. It's just a whole panel of people that are just there to continue to peddle this, and you got to hear how snide and how insulting they are, not only towards the case or the side, but towards Mr. Rittenhouse himself. Listen to this.
3: I find these people disgusting, Ellie. I'm disgusted at what I'm seeing. It's not just this trial, it's other trials, but this in particular, the fact that white supremacists roam the halls of Congress freely and celebrate this little murderous white supremacist and the fact that he gets to walk the streets freely, it lets you know these people have access to instituting uh, laws. They represent the legislative branch of this country. What are we to make of that?
2: So let me tell you what I think we're going to make of that, Ms. Cross. So you're saying that there are not black supremacists in Congress? There's no, or even um, more radical than that, Ilhan Omar, some people did something. You've got all types of radical supremacists. Now, I'm not saying that uh, this in a defense of white supremacists. I I personally don't know any white supremacists in Congress. They try to paint that picture, but there are people, right? There's no David Duke people in Congress right now, but there are Louis Farrakhan people. People that they support him and he supports them. Not good. When you have a president of the United States that said, hey, look, my vice president's going to be a woman of color. This predetermined fact, forget about the merits. Just saying, no, 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 listen, we're going to play a game. Whoever I like from the women of color pool, that's who I'm going to pick. Absolutely insane. And they're still peddling that. And if we can get to it, I have an Al Sharpton clip I want to play for you in the third segment. Because I think the whole thing is just crazy but this is where they are. But listen to her response to this, check this out.
1: Welcome to the modern Republican party. This is what these people want. And this is what a majority of white people vote for. Right When I say that a majority of white people.
2: So he's saying that a majority, I mean, I just can't help but interrupt. The, the idea that there are white people that are not voting for AOC, for Kamala Harris. I mean, these people are, are in fact paired up with white people on a daily basis. To, to suggest that like Bernie Sanders and his left Bolshevik movement, these left wingers, these are white people. Where do they come up with this stuff? Are
1: in favor of this kind of violence. It is because a majority of white people consistently vote Republican, consi- you know, since the passage of the Civil Rights Act, a majority of white people have voted Republican, right? So, like, this is the party that they're supporting. A majority of white people pick judges like Bruce Schrader, the judge in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. A majority of white people do not support policies that would unpack and unroll and reform this system of justice. This is what they want. Matt Gates is giving the white folks what they want. Look at it. Look at yourselves. It's gross. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's having a cow on, on, on live TV. I can't, I, I just really can't relate here. I'm pretty sure there are some people that, that fit the bill for what he's saying. I'm not oblivious. My head's not in the sand. But I am going to say, I, where do you see this stuff? You know, to, to look at policy that was racist 50 years ago, I'm not saying that we live in a utopia today where there's no racism. I, I've been the victim of racism myself. But on very, very few occasions, And I don't sit here and ever make the case that, you know, I don't have this or I'm not this or I'm not that because I'm brown. That would be insane to even suggest. At least that's my contention, that there's a level of insanity that goes with this. You can suggest it if it actually happens, but when it's not actually happening, when it's a Jesse Smollett type of racism where all the two MAGA guys got me, oh snap, they're actually two Nigerian guys, oh snap, I actually hired them to do this, dun dun dun, right? The whole thing is kaka. Let's give this one more shot.
1: But until a majority of you stop voting for this, this will keep happening.
2: You know what, that part I agree with. Until a majority of Americans everywhere say, you know what, enough of this, enough with this 75% of these commentators and only 25% that call themselves journalists that are not even really journalists, doing everything they can to just lie and lie and lie and tell more lies. This clip that I want to play for you is CNN cleanup in aisle 12. They cleaned up everything. You've probably seen it if you're on Twitter or get her and Get at me, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez with an S. If you uh, are on social media, I want to interact with you guys. But this clip from uh, the reporter Sarah Snyder, Sidner, excuse me, from CNN. She's their national correspondent. The incredulity that comes from her report as she just starts laying out facts that to me were abundantly clear a year ago. And again, I had my own reservations here, right? I'll take a moment right now to apologize to Kyle Rittenhouse's mother because there was so much misinformation, even in the sources that I had, where I said his mother should be on trial for bringing him there. Now it turns out she's bringing him to his dad, and this was like a regular thing, and he's part of the community. I knew he was part of the community, and he had volunteered, and I knew all of that. But my thinking was if she was bringing him there because— he wanted to be some sort of safety patrol in the middle of the pandemic and uh, excuse me, the riot. Probably not a good idea. Not something I would have done. Now, maybe you want to get sexist and say uh, sexist, excuse me, and say that I'm saying that because I'm the dad of two daughters and not the dad of a son, perhaps. But that would be you being sexist, not me. I just think your kid's not a, of age. Stay home, stay away from the drama. But it turns out that this really wasn't that case. He was invited to be somewhere. So, I mean, there were so many facts that were obscured in the media and sometimes there's accidents in reporting, but I do have to say, with this many quote unquote mistakes, it's absolutely clear they were lying.
3: This jury saw fit. We learned a lot of things in this trial that we should sort of go over, and I was just kind of reviewing some of the things that we learned in the trial that were not necessarily public knowledge before that. One, uh, there has been a lot of talk, especially by politicians, about uh, where Rittenhouse was the night uh, of this shooting. And it turned out he was already in Kenosha, that he had family here, including his father, that the gun was here in Kenosha. He did not bring that over state lines. It turned out during this trial that we learned that the gun that he had a hold of he actually could legally possess according to the judge and according to the law here uh, because of the measurements of the gun. Had it been shorter and a short barreled gun, then it would have been illegal, but because it wasn't, the judge said that that needed to be thrown out, and indeed that charge of a minor in possession of a gun illegally was thrown out in this case. The jury only looking at those who were injured, those who were endangered, and those who were killed uh, the night uh, in August that Rittenhouse ended up shooting people. Uh, We also uh, learned that he was working here that night, that he had stayed over that night uh, here. And we saw some video of, for example, Joseph Rosenbaum, the first person that he shot and killed. We saw drone video, high resolution drone video that did not come into this case until five days into this trial. And that is under contention. There was a mistrial requested because uh, of both what the defense called prosecutorial overreach and they said they were going to file about this video that appeared uh, very late in the game, high-resolution version of it, but now none of that matters. They're certainly not going to ask for a mistrial after their client has been acquitted. In
2: That's right. Their client has been acquitted. And of course they're not going to ask for a mistrial. But look at that. She just went off a laundry list of things that she even seems like, oh my gosh, because if you look at her Twitter feed, she, she's a little bit uh, snarky with this stuff, but when she gets in front of the camera, she's legit, right? She kind of gives a, a, a legitimate report that balances out the story. And she's one of very few at CNN that do that. And this is my issue with the confirmation bias that these people have. They look at things in that way. I've been accused of doing the same, but I know that I don't. And I know that I don't because when people come to me and go, what about the fact that George Floyd had a gun to to a pregnant woman's stomach? What about that? And I think, what about it? So the guy was a career criminal. Okay, we can mention he was a career criminal, but I'm not going to get into every last piece of what he did because at that moment he was suspected of passing off a fake $20 bill. So to me, that's the extent of it. And I look at the same for Kyle Rittenhouse with his Proud Boy thing and all the other stuff. So I, I agree with the judge on that. If you talk a lot of smack, I talk a lot of smack. Imagine if they're like, oh, this guy always talks about how he hates progressive policies. And now all of a sudden, let's just, you know, God forbid I'm being accused of something. And they're like, oh, listen to this. Oh, and look at that. I mean, you can run enough tape to make people look however you want to make them look. I don't do that. I try to give you more tape than most other people do because I want you to have the context. That's why I play these longer clips so that you can actually see what they're saying, how they're saying it, where they're saying it, and what the exact context is. Let's continue. this case. Uh, But we did
3: learn a lot of things from that video because it was very clear what was going on. Uh, There was a a, a video of Rosenbaum chasing after Kyle Rittenhouse uh, during this time when he had his gun. And at one point, Rittenhouse levels his gun at Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum continues towards him. And as he gets close to Kyle Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse fires his gun several times. We learned also in the trial that he was hit four times. And obviously this is a, a... All
2: right. Now, before she goes into the attack on the gun, Notice, she's making the case. We learned from the video. Is that, is, that, <laughs> is that when you really learned, Ms. Sidner? I mean, really, is this when you learned? Because you you and your organization, I make it a collective, you have been reporting on this for a year. This is where we are. But of course, she continues to clean up an aisle 12 and a little swipe at the AR-15 on the way.
3: A.R. style rifle that has the capability of firing very quickly. Um, But we have also learned that in this case, we saw one of the the only person who was shot uh, and did not die that night from Kyle Rittenhouse's um, gun. And we heard from Gage.
2: Yeah, we heard from Gage. He made the case. He made the whole case for the prosecution. Right. Um, He was their star witness. And then it turns out he actually made the case for the defense. He messed the whole thing up because he was like, no, yeah, I pulled out my gun, I pointed it at him, and then boom, he took me out. I got no more bicep. Now, of course, I'm paraphrasing, giving you my spin on it, but this stuff is enough to drive anybody crazy. This is why mental health issues are always on the forefront. People are always talking about them. They're they're not just part of the uh, personal conversation that people have, but they're part of the global conversation that people are having. It's on the public stage and in people's everyday lives. That's why it's so important that we learn to manage daily stress and anxious thoughts and stuff like that. Like when you watch things that'll get you anxious, no good. What I use to regulate my mood. No, no, no. Get your mind out of the gutter. No. What I use, Noom Mood. I love it. N o o m dot com slash this is America. It's an app and you get to kind of track your mood. If you're excited, if you're happy, if you're kind of blah, whatever it is. And that's important because you also log your meals. And you don't want to become a stress eater, which is something I'm guilty of. I eat late and I eat uh, when I get stressed out. So how do you avoid that? You do it with Noom Mood. You'll take the journey to mental wellness one step at a time with their guided approach. And you get a coach. right? So it teaches you how to shift your mindset just a couple of minutes a day. It's an app so you can do it anytime, anywhere. And they you've got a team of dedicated coaches that'll support you straight through it. Now, you can get your own Personalized trial, go to noom.com slash this is America. Noom.com slash this is America. That's N-O-O-M.com slash this is America. N-O-O-M dot com slash this is America. Worry less and feel happier. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash this is America. Now straight ahead, we're gonna talk about what happened in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with Joe El Baboso Biden and everything that happened in D.C. over the weekend. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America.
1: This is America. And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks.
0: That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. This is America. The forty-fifth President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez.
1: Oh, very good, Mr. Colesprinter. Yeah, much oh, an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor
0: is all yours conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez.
2: All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And I want to talk about what happened over the weekend, the mayhem that ensued, this crazy, murderous activity from an aspiring rapper, the murderer or the accused murderer, actually he's not even been accused as a matter of fact, the gentleman that is being questioned is currently not under arrest and this is the Waukesha Christmas Parade that I'm talking about, career criminal out on bail, Daryl Brooks is being questioned by the police, this is as of about an hour ago according to foxnews.com and uh, I'll just give you a little bit of this headline here. He's being questioned after a red SUV plowed through Waukesha's Christmas Parade, leaving five people dead and injuring dozens, including children. He's been identified as Daryl E. Brooks Jr., a Milwaukee man with a criminal history dating back to 1999 that includes numerous violent felonies. Multiple senior law enforcement sources told Fox News that the 39-year-old longtime felon was being questioned in connection with the attack. Police said early Monday that a red SUV struck the pedestrian's on Sunday, killing several. And there's at least 40 more people that are victim to this that are injured and hospitalized. He has a long rap sheet and a number of pending cases. Brooks' most recent court appearance came on November 5th. Charges include reckless endangerment, battery, domestic abuse, resisting arrest and bail jumping. And he's currently out right now on a $1,000 bail for those charges. In July 2020, police charged him with three other felonies, including reckless endangerment and blah, blah, blah. And again, this stuff, it may add, you know, fuel to the fire. Right now, he's being charged with this car thing, or at least being questioned for the car thing. So, yeah, I understand, like I just said. You can rest assured that they're probably guilty. (laughs) And this is just the reality. But you got to give them their due, right? That's what due process is all about. And Mr. Brooks also appears to have used the pseudonym Math Boy Fly in music videos and is also associated with the aliases Daryl Eugene Brooks, Quinton Felician, and he is an aspiring rapper. One of Brooks's music videos, which has been removed from YouTube, showed a red Ford SUV that resembles the one seen plowing through the crowd at the parade on Sunday night. Witnesses described the chaos of blood and bodies thrown into the air and strewn about the street before bystanders rushed by to try to save the victims and paramedics rushed to the scene. The ha- this is absolutely havoc, it's mayhem, it's madness and it's heartbreaking. Right my my 16, now she's 16-year-old daughter is a cheerleader for her high school team and she does some competitive cheer and years ago she used to do dance and was on the competitive dance team. And so you know, she leaves here with pom-poms in her backpack all the time. And they had some dancers and and pom-pom Kids walking in the parade, something that she's done here in my own small town where we have a small local parade. And it's nothing like the New York parades where there's barricades and cops and all sorts of stuff. These are small parades where, you know, kind of everybody knows each other. And, and looking at the video, it seemed a lot bigger than the small parade in my own town here in Jersey. And I look at that and I think, man, this could have been anybody's kid or kids. And it goes back to the premise of good versus evil. What is going on? Now, some reports are saying that Mr. Brooks may have been fleeing a knife crime. They're not being clear on what this knife crime might be, whether he who stabbed somebody, somebody tried to stab him, and he was fleeing the scene. Maybe he was making a getaway. Maybe he's going to try and turn around and say, oh, I was trying to defend myself, so I ran everybody over trying to get away from the bad guys who were trying to stab me. They don't know if this guy was on drugs or not. They keep saying, we don't know if he was on drugs. So I'm guessing they want us to believe that there's drugs involved. I don't know. All I know is this whole thing is horrific. It's horrible. As a dad, heartbroken. I really am. I lose words. I don't have much to say. I really don't like doing these sad stories because they always leave me with this, this emptiness and this, uh, you know, you just feel meh. What do you do except keep fighting? What do you do except keep going towards the truth, keep going towards the light, keep going towards what's right? That's all we can do in this battle for good and evil. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Just like Paul Harvey said. Radio legend Paul Harvey once uttered the following words on the air, and they've never sounded so true as they do right now. So here's If I Were the Devil by Paul Harvey. And he says, If I were the Prince of Darkness, I would want to engulf the whole world in darkness. I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I'd seized the ripest apple on the tree. The, So I would set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first and I'd begin with a campaign of whispers with the wisdom of a serpent. I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince the children that man created God instead of the other way around. I'd confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our father, who art in Washington. Then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed and with promises of higher ratings i'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames if i were the devil i would encourage schools to refine young intellect but neglect to discipline emotions i'd tell teachers to let those students run wild and before you knew it you'd have drug sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door with a decade i'd have prisons overflowing and judges promoting pornography soon I would evict God from the courthouse and the schoolhouse and then from the houses of Congress. In his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I'd lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. What do you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I'd convince the young that marriage is old fashioned, that swinging is more fun and that what you see on television is the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public and lure you into bed with diseases for which there are no cures. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. That's Paul Harvey's If I Were the Devil. 1964. Anyway, that's all I got on that. No audio. Just keep it in your thoughts, keep it in your prayers. The families, the victims. It's a horrible thing. Straight ahead. We're gonna talk about Joe El Baboso Biden and exactly what's going on. And the first woman president for 85 minutes, Kamala que mala eres, the vice president of the United States. She was our president on Friday, Uh, so we're going to have some musings on that and a couple of interesting stats about how people really don't like Joe Biden as much as uh, we used to think they did, and that's coming up in the uh, Let's Go Brandon report. So don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America.
0: This is America.
1: This is America. These times, people waking up to anything. Go Brandon, but we all know what the saying means. Let's go
2: Brandon. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Some of you guys know me as Mr. Call Screener Richie V. Uh, yes, from the Mark Levin Show. I will be uh, guest hosting the Mark Levin Show. A couple of dates in December, so I'll keep you posted on that for the holidays. Richie V., I want to thank you. People need to know you're not only a great call screener, you're even a better broadcaster. Well, thank you. Great one. I appreciate that. I want to talk about my buddy, Mr. Producer, Rich Cimenta. Now, Richard Cimenta, my, my buddy, he he's the reason that I'm in talk radio today. He's the executive producer of the Mark Levin Show. I'm not introducing him. I'm just I'm talking about him a little bit. Yes, sir, I'm talking about you. But Mr. Producer, and thank you for that, Mr. Producer, for cutting that up for me, is a man of very few words. But every now and again, he'll come out with a little joke and he'll say something like, nobody likes you, sir. Or he'll look at the TV and see Joe Biden say, no one likes you, sir. (laughs) and I, I just fall out of my chair laughing because it's so funny. And the polls seem to suggest the exact same thing. A new Redfield and Wilton poll finds that Donald Trump is leading Joe Biden in an early 2024 matchup. 44% to 37%, with 7% preferring a third-party candidate and 7% undecided. And in a separate CBS News poll, finds that 67% disapprove of Biden's handling of inflation. And this is as of Sunday, November 21st, according to Eric Mack on Newsmax.com. Americans overwhelmingly disapprove of President Joe Biden's handling of the inflation crisis, according to the new results from the latest CBS YouGov poll. There were 33% of Americans that did approve, which is just 11 points less than Biden's presidential approval rating of 44%. Plus, 82% of American adults polled have experienced a rising cost compared to just one year ago, while 67% have seen items out of stock shelves and no longer available. That's what's going on. And it goes on and on. You could read it. I'll I'll tweet it out and put it on Getter at Rich Valdez with an S. But that's the uh, sad state of affairs that we're in right now. Now, of course, it doesn't help that Vice President uh, Kamala Harris, she was sworn in as president on Friday for 85 minutes. So yes, we've had our first woman president for 85 minutes in the United States. And of course, that was because President Biden had to go for his annual checkup and colonoscopy, which were all kept under wraps. They usually say, he's doing great. I don't think they did that. And I think that's why there's Kind of uh, rising concerns. Uh, There's a piece by Paul Bedard in The Washington Examiner. I'm looking at a piece right now, UK Daily Mail. Health fears for confused President Biden, 79 years old. Happy birthday, Mr. President, El Baboso Biden, after having anesthetic for a checkup and a colonoscopy. Nicknamed Sleepy Joe by President Trump, President Biden spent Friday mostly under anesthesia. His presidential powers are passed to Kamala Harris for just under 90 minutes. Critics are now openly saying he has dementia and possibly Alzheimer's. One source who previously worked in the White House said everyone knew President Reagan was losing it by the time he came to the end of his term. Reagan left office at 77. Biden came in at 78 and just turned 79 and he's only in his first year. The article goes on increasingly looking weak. His dottery his moments of confusion and his proneness to gaffes don't help. So where does that leave us? And you could read the rest of the article as well if you want to. I think it puts us in bad shape. Bad shape. And this is why we've got so much craziness going on. This is why Joe Biden and, and the squeakiest wheel, whoever it is, usually the AOC bunch in Congress, get what they want. So she can chant about communism, and I'm not saying that she's chanting about it. She more rants about it, and we'll get to her in a second. But there was a uh, protest, a demonstration over the weekend in Chicago. And what exactly did the protesters have to say to fix all of the ills that society offers? Well, nothing less than a call for a communist revolution. Listen to this.
0: Is communist revolution. The only is communist revolution.
2: Now, you're hearing that right. They're saying the only solution is communist revolution. There's hundreds of these people marching down the streets saying that the only solution is communist revolution. Check this out.
0: The only solution is communist revolution. That's right. We need communism. That's what we
1: need.
0: We need that. We need that. To serve. We need that to save
2: No question in my mind that this is the reason we have her friend, AOC, all out crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And now all out crazy and all her all out crazy friends are the all out commies. They believe in things that are just antithetical to normalcy, in my opinion. This is why minority leader Kevin McCarthy, who's positioned to be Speaker of the House, has an eight-hour speech and does what he does, and he's out there and he's banging the pots and pans. And again, listen, I have spoken with McCarthy. I think he's a decent guy. I think there's a a rhino deep down inside of him, and he's kind of pushed it away during the Trump years to realize, you know what? What I feel as a California Republican has to be subservient to what the party feels, and I think he's doing the right thing. You want to get rid of him? You run against him. But she's saying that when he says that he's going to retaliate, when he postures, he hasn't said it, but he's posturing and saying, you know what? We're going to take action. And it's easy right now for him to say that because things look bad for the Democrats. If the elections were today, they'd lose bad, as you just saw with Trump in the lead, if today were a matchup between Biden and Trump. So all that being said, ABC, excuse me, AOC is on this. Let me see what this is. I don't know, some sort of Zoom call with Jana Owen. Who is an ASL interpreter? I want you to hear what she has to say because she says, if Republicans get their way, they're going to become authoritarians.
4: Lead Republican leader McCarthy has made very clear that um, that you know he very much alluded to retaliation if Republicans take over the majority, and
2: so yeah, and so what I want to say here is again, what is retaliation? Okay, maybe she's uh, she's making it seem like somebody's going to go and punch her in the face. Nobody, listen. It's politics. Everything is retaliatory. That's the political game. Now, if you're saying, oh, we're rich, you're you're just, you've been overcome by your partisanship. It's supposed to be doing the work of the people. Yes. But in in a climate like we have right now, oftentimes this is about the win because politics is always, always about influencing the balance of power. People's ambitions to serve publicly are great, but... You could be as good-hearted and well-intentioned as you like, just like Trump was, and just think about that old refrain, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Back to AOC.
4: That may mean that in order to exact revenge on consequences for his white nationalist member, (laughs) he may strip... uh, Democrats from their committees as well. Uh, And so, you know, it's unfortunate, but frankly, Republicans have made very, very clear over several statements that if they win a House majority, they intend to take the chamber, take over the chamber in a very authoritarian manner.
2: No, it's called an election, sir. Excuse me, ma'am. She, him, her, you. It's an election. That's not an authoritarian manner. An authoritarian manner is when he comes in with a shotgun and says, hey, Pelosi, you're out. Hey, me, I'm in because I said so. That's what authoritarians do. He's looking at winning an election. You're looking at losing an election, which is why you're even saying this. The far left thinks that communism is the answer to Kyle Rittenhouse and every other ill that we have on this planet. If you won't run against a rhino, you might have to take several seats and get behind somebody who's the lesser of two evils. Now I know, not a popular idea. So many of my ideological purists out there, you're thinking, oh, Rich, don't sell out. Listen, do I want AOC or do I want Chris Christie? The answer, probably neither, but I'll take Chris Christie because I saw what he did in Jersey. There's a lot of criticism about it, but I worked in that administration. We did some good things. There was a, a change an actual change, an amendment to the New Jersey Constitution, preventing property taxes from being increased 2%. Teachers were now responsible for their health care, which used to be totally on the dole before. There were some major overhauls and revamps in New Jersey during the Christie time, and I got to say, didn't do a bad job with Hurricane Sandy. It was actually a pretty outstanding job, in my opinion. But all that being said, this isn't the Christie apology tour. Um, Trump 2024 should he decide to run. I think Christie has other issues that at the presidential level may not really pan out the way that many of us would like them to. But all that being said, my point is, who do you pick? Somebody that's a hardcore left winger or somebody who's to the right of center? What I say is, you run. Put your big boy pants on, put your name on the ballot and get it done. But too few are willing to do that. And I get it. I flirted with the idea of running against all out crazy And realized it would would be of detriment to my children. I'd have to move. I'd have to change school districts. A lot of things were were involved with that. And it wasn't something I was ready to do at that time. Plus, I said I would run only if nobody else stepped up to do it. And 15 other people stepped up. So kudos to all of them for doing that. But my point is, if you're not going to make a difference, don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. Super important that we take a stand. Super important that we know the issues, super important that we have enough confidence to take them on locally with our neighbors, with our friends, with our colleagues. And I don't mean to debate them. I mean to be well-informed enough to have a cogent, coherent conversation like I did. I had some really good conversations over the weekend. Uh, a friend of mine, Lauren Conlin, she's been on the show before. She um, hosted a, a Friendsgiving event at her home in the Upper East Side in Manhattan. Really nice time. Lots of great people. I was in great company and I just uh, wanted to thank everybody for that. It was a really good time. I hope you guys had a good weekend. Again, if you stand for nothing, you fall for anything and the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So stand up and do something. Like Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. Until next time, America. Hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez and this is America. This is America. In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line, it's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich.